You're about to hear a sermon by Pastor Jeff Brewer, Senior Pastor of Freedom Life Church of God in Henderson, North Carolina. For more information on our church, please visit us online at freedomlifecog.org. Let's get right into this message. Turn with me in your Bibles tonight, if you would, Acts chapter 16. Let's look at verses 30 and 31 as we continue in our series about forgiveness for the family or family salvation. You know, you realize how important your family really is to you. But to be honest with you, you don't realize how important until they're gone. And after they're gone, you realize what kind of impact they had in your life. What kind of influence they had upon you. And you don't ever want to let those truths die out. And I believe that all of us, many of us here today, are, 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 are have the torch passed to us from a dear mother or grandmother or grandfather. And that torch shares with us the hunger, the vision, the burden to get our whole family saved. In Acts 16, verse 30, after the prison doors had opened and the prisoners were loosed, brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You shall be saved and your household. God was saying, I'm not only concerned about you. I am. Jesus died for you. But he said, I am concerned over your entire household. God is concerned over everything we love. Therefore, tonight, I want us to continue our talk about our role or our responsibility, what God's called us to do in our families to help get them to heaven. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the anointing that we feel and sense in this house. May your hand of favor reach out. May your word of truth go forth. Let your glory just rest upon us as we are, are spoken to by a divine word of God. Let it stir a fresh passion and a fire. Let it challenge us, God, to do what we must do to see our family saved. In Jesus' name, and everybody shouts, amen. Now, Noah built an ark for the saving of his family, an ark of righteous living. Abraham had a militant spirit. When the enemy took Lot, his family, he decided, I'm not going to let the enemy have my family. He had the anointing of a militant soldier and a violent spirit to go right in and take his family back. I want to tell you, sometimes you got to stand flat-footed and tell the devil, the flesh, and the world, take your filthy hands off of my children, off of my family. It's time to become militant. The Bible says the violent Take it by force. Is anybody violent? Hallelujah. I made my mind up. Devil, you're not going to have my family. Devil, you're not going to have my, my family, my friends. Amen. And so uh, uh, Joshua made his mind up. And here it is. Church, we got to get back to making our mind up. See, years ago, that's what they did. They made their mind up. We're going to serve God. 
We're not going to do this, that, and the other that the world's doing. Let the world do what they want to do. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. That's a made-up mind. There's some places my kids aren't going. There's some things my kids are not going to do. There's some things I won't allow in my house. That's what Joshua was saying. He made a decision. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. And when you make a stand in your own house, God will bring family salvation. Rahab honored the men of God and protected them when the enemy army was after them. And I believe there was a special grace and a special favor upon people, believers, that will bless the men and women of God in the ministry. They are not perfect, but we don't have the right to talk about them. God has said, if you'll bless my anointed, I'll bless you. If you want your family saved, put your pastor on your prayer list. Take him off your gossip list and put him on your prayer list. Somebody say amen. And every time you get an opportunity, uh, begin to pray for him. I got a text today, a, a, a member of our church, a young man said, Pastor, I just wanted to text you and tell you, can't nobody preach the truth like you preach the truth. I appreciate you. My family appreciates you. You're a man of God. I want to tell you, when you start edifying the men and women of God, God will look down on you with favor and he'll save your home. And then Moses applied the blood of an animal on the doorpost of his home. And that's what you and I have. We have the blood of Jesus. We are overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. So I, every day I say, devil, the blood of Jesus is against you. So I plow the blood of Jesus upon my family. The gates of hell shall not prevail. And my testimony is I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and I'm saved in my entire family. It's going to happen. Now Cornelius makes prayer and giving. You know, in a day and age in which people have got stingy-hearted, Cornelius said, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to give. I'm going to bless the work of God, and I'm going to pray. And the Bible says his prayers went up as a memorial, and God sent uh, uh, Peter to his household, and his whole family got saved and full of the Holy Ghost. So there are some things that you and I can do to help get our family saved. Simon Peter encouraged Christian wives who had unsaved husbands. He said they can reach your husbands through godly character, through godly action, through godly behavior, through godly words. You are the preacher in your home. If your husband's lost, then they ought to see Jesus in you. 1 Peter 3 and 1, likewise you wives be in, under subjection or in subjection to your husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may be without the word be won by the conversations of the wives. Won by the conversation of the wives. What are you saying, Pastor? God is saying, wives, you need your conversation. What you talk about in your house, you need it anointed of God. The conversation's important. That's a powerful principle. So, uh, uh, wives, what you say around your husband, your lost husband, is important. Be careful. Speak words of life and not death. You can be sitting here in the church tonight, go home to a hard-headed husband and speak words uh, that, that, that speak death and confusion and, and drive them away. You need to speak life unto them. Somebody shout life. Let them hear you edifying and building up God. They'll go home and say, my God, you should have been there tonight. God moved in the place. Quit talking about everything negative and say, my God, I thank God for our church. We got some great people in our church. You need to come and hear that guy preach. You need to come and hear these singing. My oh God is good to us. Let them hear you speak words of faith and your love for God. Don't be a gossiper. Don't be a fault finder. 
Don't go home and gripe and be mad. Don't talk church problems with your lost husband. If your husband hears all the negative spewing out of your mouth, he won't want Jesus either. Some husbands refuse to go to church because they've heard so much criticism about the church. And they heard it from you. Boy, it's quiet in here. Wives, if you ever want to keep your, get your, your husband say, you need to tie a knot in your tongue and say, I'm not going to say what I feel. I'm going to say God is good. Jesus is moving. The Holy Ghost is good. Oh, I'm so glad I'm saved. I'm going to eat him up with the love of God. Hallelujah. See, God's saying, uh, if you're going home and witness all the great things, all the good things, share your excitement and your zeal and your fire. You can't carry none home because you ain't got none. You have failed to learn how to get some fire in the fire. You come in with your wood wet. I know tonight a lot of folk come in wet. I mean, it was raining hard. But spiritually speaking, you ought to come in here and say, you know, maybe I've had a bad week. Maybe I've had a, a hard day on the job. But I'm coming in here to get around the fire and get lit up and praise God so that when I go back home, my husband, my children can know that God is still on the throne. See, that's what you sow that seed in their heart. You're talking about how good God is. Somebody shout God is good. I don't care how bad you got it. Hear this preacher. God is still good to you. You know, you know, it's like the guy that was feeling sorry for himself because he didn't have any shoes till he saw the man that didn't have any feet. You can always look around and, and, and see people that are struggling worse than you are. And when you begin to say, my God, I got nothing to complain about. God's been good to me. Through it all, I might not have everything I have, uh, but I'm telling you, God, uh, everything I want, but God's been good to me. Somebody shout, if God's been good to you, quit sitting on your hands tonight and give God some praise in this house. Now, that's what your husbands need when you get home. Hallelujah. Instead of you dragging him with your bottom lip sticking out, mad at him because he didn't go to church, mad at him because he's talking to you like a dog, just eat him up with the spirit of Christ and love him. And the Bible says your conversation will win him to the Lord. Parents, you can save your children. The Bible says, Proverbs 22, 6, train up your child the way they should go. When he's old, we not depart from it. The word train means to make skillful by teaching and by practicing. It means to discipline and to instruct. It means to equip and prepare. And the only way to, to train a child is to do it by godly example. You need to operate in biblical truth. Uh, too many tell their children to do not what I do, but as I say do. And that's not training the child. That's hypocrisy because Jesus works. I said the word works. I don't care what you're going through. You say, Pastor, you just don't know what I'm going through. I know you're going through hell. I understand that. But God is bigger than what you're going through. Children today have no manners, no respect for anybody, no reverence of God. You know where they learned it from? You. It stemmed from lack of training. Let me help you right here. You got children in this church. Let me help you. When they get to where they can understand, you need to bring them in this sanctuary. And walk them, mom and dad, through this sanctuary and say, this is God's house. 
this stage and, and, and that platform is where God's anointed is. This is a holy place. These are not just instruments that you can beat and bang on and play with because you're a kid. These are anointed and dedicated to God. And when you come in this church, I know it's a lot of uh, big aisles. Uh, you don't run. Now, it may, you, you don't just do that one time. You keep bringing them in and say, come on, we got to go back in the sanctuary. Come on now, when we go in here, this is God's house. And when you train them and teach them that, as they grow in the Lord, they'll come in. They'll have some respect for the house of God. You think it's funny they're running all over and jumping over the pews. No, that's your lack of training. Uh-oh, amen. If you want your children saved, you got to train them and teach them. Someone is watching you, and it's your family. One of the greatest enemies to the family's salvation is somebody that claims something but don't live it. Somebody said, are you talking to me? Uh-oh, the shoe fits wearing. Because you can fool the preacher. You can fool the Sunday school teacher. You can fool the whole church. You don't fool your family. If you're going to get your family saved, you've got to be real. You've got to live a life that exemplifies Christ. You're going to have to put truth on display. You're going to have to be real. Christ must shine through you. You've got to live at home what you shout about at church. Amen? You've got to take some church home with you. If you don't, you're a hypocrite. If the only place you can shout is church, you're a hypocrite. I'm telling you, this old time Holy Ghost salvation will work on the backside of hell. I don't care what kind of devil you're married to. I'm telling you what kind of hell's in your house. This stuff will work in your own home. We need to take our homes back. Amen. Everybody talking about they took prayer out of schools. We took prayer out of the home a long time before they took prayer out of school. We need to build a family altar. We need to go home and worship and carry Jesus home with us. That's the reason I always said I'd rather my family have confidence in me than anybody I know. Now, my wife's out of town tonight, but if she was standing up here tonight, she can tell you. I, 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 she knows how I live. She sees me when I'm up. She sees me when I'm down. She hears what I say about things. And, and, and she knows whether I'm real or a phony. Your kids know whether you're real. Your husband knows. Your wife knows. They know the real you. I know we got two masks. I know we got a mask in church. And then we got a mask at home. Don't say nothing to me. Come on now. Amen. Have you ever heard people come to church, worship all over the church, go to the restaurant, and almost cuss the little girl out that's trying to wait on me? You didn't fill my tea up. You're not getting no raise. You're not getting no, no tip. If you want to know whether a person, a preacher is genuine or not, ask the kids. Kids will tell on you. Kids will tell on you. I got a buddy of mine, and he is a professional horse trainer, and he sells horses, show horses for a living. And I remember when he first started taking his little boy, and his little boy's gotten up a little age now, and, and he understands better, but they were out trying to sell a horse over in Tennessee. And, and his, that, that dad could talk and make a, a donkey look like a world champion. And he's telling this guy how great he is, and he's asking big money for him. And the little boy steps up and says, Dad, you told me he was sorry. <laughs> you told me he won't no good. My buddy said after that he had to do some schooling with him if he was going with him.
But you can't fool your kids. They know whether you're real or not. Amen. And, and, and I believe that's what's so powerful about years ago when we had grandmas and grandpas. I think about people like, like Jody Leonard Wayne and, and, and different ones that, that were in the old church that, that, that lived holy and righteous and pure. And, and I think about these people that had an impact. They touched my life forever. And no matter how many hypocrites I saw, I knew there was a real deal. Because I knew men like Jody Leonard and many, many others lived holy. And so if you, can, you can fool the church. You can't fool your family. Your lost family is watching you. The destiny of your family is determined by your real commitment to God. You know, I'll tell you what. It would be so much easier if you didn't try to have to be, try to be a Christian. You say, well, I'm trying, Pastor. Just be it. A fish doesn't try to swim. He just swims. A bird don't try to fly, he just flies. A dog don't try to bark, he just barks. So a Christian ought to just be a Christian. We have biblical truths in our lives, just be real. And if you miss it and mess up, fall on your face and ask God to forgive you. Now here's the deal. If you, if you fall in front of somebody, you ought to get back up in front of somebody. If there's somebody on your job and you make a mess, don't go home and pray only. Don't go to an altar in church and pray on. Go back to work and say, I miss God, and I ask God to forgive me, and I'm sorry, and I ask you to forgive me. And then people will believe you're real. Wives, be careful because your husbands are watching you, and they, they, they watch whether you really got it or not. And, and wives, if you go home and nobody can speak during your soap opera or your show, my shows. And, and listen, Dad, and nobody can speak while your ball team's playing. We have got to get back to, to realizing that God needs to be Lord of the house. Hey, hey, can I tell you this? Sunday's not a day of sports. It's a day of worship. So, so we need wives and husbands keep a good attitude. In other words, keep a smile on your face. You say, I'm I, I, going through so much. L listen, happiness comes from within, not from outside. When I get to thinking about I'm saved, I'm washed in the blood, my name's in the book, I can smile. I've been delivered, I can smile. Amen? And then wives, husbands, be faithful to the church. Lead your family to the church. The way you treat the church, the way your children are going to treat the church. If you don't tithe and you don't give, they never tithe or give. If you don't worship, they'll never worship. If you're not faithful, they won't be faithful. If ball games are more important than church to you, ball games will be more important to them. So we've got to train our families. I, I remember going to visit a man one time to visit, to witness to him about the Lord. And I went in and began to witness and the, the anointing come on me and the convicting power. Him and his wife were sitting there. His wife goes to a church. She'd been going for quite a while. And this guy got under conviction. And he said, I want to get saved. I really do, but I want my wife to get saved too. Now, he didn't mean that wrong. He really meant it. He meant his wife was not living a life to where he even thought she was living right. So we need to be real. Somebody shout, be real. And then you have to understand that as we do our part, God will do his part. 
I, I'm reminded, and I've said this many times in, in this series, I'll probably say it many other. There's only one thing worse than dying and going to hell. And that's to die and go to hell and your children go there. Get, get, get this scene. The, the, the rich man's in hell. He cries out for a drop of water. And Abraham says, there is no water for you. In other words, there's no hope for you. There's no relief for you. So immediately, he started praying for his brothers. Started praying for his family. Did you know where the greatest prayer meeting is in the world? It's in hell. And they're not crying out for water because they can't have They're crying out, please, God, send somebody to my family member. Send somebody to my lost Son or daughter, send somebody. I missed it. I blew it. And if they don't change, they're going to follow me there. There's a conversation going on in, in hell tonight. Can you imagine as the screams are going on? And then here comes one of them, son or daughter. And I imagine the son or daughter says, Mom, why didn't you carry me to church? Dad, why didn't you carry me to church? I, I, I'm a good ball player. Yes, I, I, I did. I'm a good sportsman. I, I, I'm a good dancer. I'm, but why didn't you carry me to church? You knew better. Why did you train me how important it was to go to the house of God? The rich man lifted up his eyes in hell and he cried out, my God, this is a horrible place. This is a terrible place. There's no way out. No escape. There's no hope for me. Can you imagine that? I want to help you right here. Now, this is going to get tough right here. There could be. I said there could be possibly a family member of yours. In hell, right now, calling your name out. It could be a mama or a daddy or a brother or a sister that missed it. Now, we've got ourselves convinced that everybody gets on angels' wings when they die. I wish that was so. But the Bible says there's broad is the way, wide is the gate. And many go in. Do you know there could possibly be? Think about it a moment. Just think about somebody in your family that maybe, just maybe wasn't ready. Maybe there's a question. They could be screaming your name out right now. God save them. God refire them. God put revival in. God, don't let them grow cold. Don't let them miss you, God. Please don't let them come to this terrible place. Amen. But we're so apt to, to just think everything's okay. We are living in a generation where nobody goes to hell anymore. Boy, wouldn't that be great? Boy, I'd love to get up here and tell you, say, hey, hey, hell's out of business. Nobody goes to hell today. Boy, I'd be so happy. Devil's dead. Glory. Live like you want to live. Do what you want to. But when you die, we're just going to tell everybody you went to heaven. Wrong. I wonder right now if you could... Tune your ears in. Could it be somebody said, please save them. Please revive them. Please open their eyes. Please. Because they got one thing on their mind in hell. Now, I used to think maybe it was relief, but they know they can have no relief. No chance of relief or reprieve. No chance of one drop of water. So there's one thing on their mind in hell. And that's their family. One thing. There's one thing every person in hell has in common. They're screaming out, don't let my family come to this place. And we treat it so lightly and carelessly. 
I remember a little story about a family going home from church one Sunday. And the husband said, that preacher sure was born today. I don't think he studied all week. He was probably spent all his time on a golf course. I don't know why we pay him that good salary. The wife spoke up and said, yeah, I agree, but did you hear the choir? You're talking about a mess. They were so off key. Those people can't sing. They're talking about buying choir robes. They need to buy some, some, some singing lessons. He kept on and on. A fine little boy, he looked up and he said, mm, I thought it was a pretty good show for a penny. He had put a penny in the offering. He said, I thought it was a pretty good show for a penny. I heard another story about a church that was in revival, and the young man was sitting at the back, and a preacher tried to get him to come to the altar. And he said, your dad and mom are praying for you. And he said, my dad praying for me. My dad's a hypocrite. See, they know you. My dad watches bad stuff on TV. He cusses. He has a hot temper. He's got everybody in the church fooled, but he don't fool me. And if he's saved, I don't need to be saved. I heard a story. They said it was an actual story about a man in a Texas prison that was getting ready. He was on death row, was getting ready to be put to death. A few hours before his execution, his father came to visit him. When the guard went back to the prison cell to get the young man, he said, son, you have a visitor. Your father is here to see you. When he said that, the man went into a rage. He said, I don't want to see him. He's the reason I'm in this situation today. The first cigarette I ever smoked, my dad gave it to me. The first drink of alcohol I ever put to my lips, my father gave it to me. The first bar I ever went to and, and my father took me there. The first prostitute I ever been with, my dad paid for it. That's the way he raised me. That's the way he brought me up. Things could have been so much better if dad had brought me up a different way. He said, because of that lifestyle, I wound up in prison. He said, this is where my dad led me. I'm here because of his leadership. I'm going to die this way because my father led me here. Send him back home and tell him I don't want to see him. Tell him, listen to this, I'll see him in hell. A few hours later, they put him to death, and he went out of this world without the Lord. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying that you and I have a tremendous responsibility to lead our families to the Lord. Stand to your feet. You just heard a sermon from Pastor Jeff Pruer, Senior Pastor of Freedom Life Church of God in Henderson, North Carolina. Want to hear more sermons like this one? You can find all of Pastor Pruer's sermons on our YouTube channel. Just open your YouTube app and search for Freedom Life Church of God. For any additional information on our church, or if you would like to support this ministry financially, please visit our website at freedomlifecog.org.